0: good morning folks or good afternoon or good evening whenever you are listening to this next episode of your turn for all of my returning listeners welcome back i've missed you and for those of you tuning in for the first time welcome and please enjoy yourself i'm your host zach anderson and this is your turn the podcast where i a simple nerd talk about board games game mechanics and other nerdy culture Today, I will be talking about two amazing games, one that I've played many, many times and I always enjoy bringing to the table, while the other, I've only played a couple of times, but I'm constantly wanting to jump back headfirst into this open world sandbox adventure throughout space. But before we get to our games, let's talk about our game mechanic. Now, this one is a little bit different because it's more generic, more broad, but I want to talk about dice rolling and what we sometimes refer to as the use of dice in board games. Now, I am sure that many of you have played a game before where you roll dice in some form or another, whether it's rolling for movement, such as Monopoly, rolling to take over land in Risk, or simply rolling to score points in Yahtzee. Dice are so often used as part of board games. With that being the fact of many of you playing with dice before, I'm not going to spend much time talking your ear off about dice rolling mechanics since most of you are here to learn about new board games. There is no single definition for what a dice rolling mechanic means because it can be used in so many different ways. Dice can be used to simply add randomness to a game or it can be used as a way to keep track of the number of rounds that you're playing. They can be used as counters on cards or creatures, such as Magic the Gathering, which is a card game. It can be used alongside tables and charts in war games, or for combat, like Twilight Imperium, or Warhammer 40k. Some people absolutely hate dice, and whenever dice are in games, they get upset because dice are seen as random and uncontrollable, While other games take this into account and allow for what's known as dice mitigation. Allowing you to change dice to get the result you want. This can be seen in games such as Kingsburg, or Favor of the Pharaoh. Now, I am part of the camp that does not really have a problem with dice, because I know that dice hate me, and it doesn't matter if the game has dice mitigation or not, I'm going to be royally messed up by the dice. And they will find some way to make me lose. doesn't even matter if they can. They will still cause me to lose. So when I play a game with dice, I try to just go with the flow of what the dice offer for me. While trying not to throw them across the room in a white hot rage. Promise you, that's only happened like three or four times. I swear. I try to be nice to my dice, even though they're not nice to me. Normally at this point in talking about the mechanic or the mechanism, I would recommend some of my favorite games that use dice rolling. But because it's so prevalent and there's no single universal way that's used, I find it difficult to, to do that this episode. If you'd like to check out a few games that use dice, and some in a more interesting way than others, there are a few that I could recommend. There is Camel Up or Camel Cup depending on how you read it, and in this game the dice dictate which color of camel moves as well as how far along a racetrack They move There is Sagrada where you are using different colored dice to make a stained-glass window It's honestly one of the most beautiful games I've played Or you can check out King of Tokyo which is similar to Yahtzee Except instead of winning points by simply getting sets you are rolling dice and pretending to be a giant B-movie monster that is vying for control of Tokyo. I just played this game last night, and I was Cthulhu facing off against a mecha dragon, metal dragon basically, and the equivalent of King Kong. I won, but by the very skin of my teeth. It was a very close game, but it was very exciting. Somehow the dice decided to be nice to me. The first game I want to talk about is called Zaya Legends of a Drift System. This game is published by Far Off Games. It was designed by Cody Miller. The art was done by Cody Miller, Steve Coolhand Tyler, and Peter Woken. This game was published in 2014. It plays from three to five players, though there is a solo mode. And the game plays between 60 and 180 minutes, depending on the player's choice. I would like to start off by saying this is a sandbox game, which means there is essentially an open world created by the board, and the players can do almost anything they want to get points, from exploring new tiles and building out the board, to buying victory points with money made from buying and selling goods. Players can be lawful and complete missions such as research, or helping a derelict ship, Or you can be outlaws and hunt down each other for points and blow each other up. That's kind of a jerk thing to do, but if that's what you enjoy, go for it. What I'm trying to say is there are a lot of different things that players can do in this game, and I am not going to be able to go over all of them in this episode. But hopefully I can give you some sort of taste of this world. Before anything else, players are going to decide how long they want their game to go. And they decide that by placing a victory marker on the fame track to signify the end of the game the fewer points that you go for the shorter the game so if you want a short game you might go for only five points if you want a longer game you might go for 15 points after making that decision each player starts the game with a tier one ship small ship but each ship has its own special abilities players also get credits which they can use to buy upgrades for the ships which are guns missiles and shields and stronger engines After you finish setting the board and getting your ships, uh, you start with player turns. A player's turn is made up of three phases. The action phase, the business phase, and the status phase. In the action phase, players will take actions such as movement by triggering an engine, or attacking another player by firing off a blaster or a missile, depending on the range of the other player. Players can also use energy to scan for new sectors and tiles to build out the drift system or galaxy the players are existing within. There is a wide variety of available actions, and while not all require the official action point, some require the spending of energy or simply rolling your dice and checking a simple chart to see if you can harvest or mine and so forth. After a player has taken as many actions as they have available, or energy available, or if they just want to stop, they move to the business phase. Now, the business phase only happens if you're on a planet, Though it doesn't matter if this is a lawful planet, a neutral planet, or an outlaw planet. In the business phase, players can recharge their energy, which allows them to take more actions. They can buy and sell upgrades for their ships, which are called outfits. They can repair damage from their ship. They can rearrange their ship's holding cells. They can buy a new ship, which gives them a whole new special ability, a whole new miniature. They just get better, basically. Uh, The player can also buy victory points or fame points in this game. Once the player has finished the business phase, they'll move to the status phase. In this phase, players will complete the following. Take ongoing damage, such as the cold damage you receive from being in the vacuum of space. Make sure to bring a blanket. They reveal or claim new titles or events. And then they reset their ship for the next turn. Or reset as much as possible if they have the energy. If a player was assigned an NPC ship, a non-playable character ship, uh, there's the enforcer, the outlaw, and the merchant, then the player will take the predetermined actions for that character. The enforcer hunts down outlaws. The outlaw just wants to murder everybody. The merchant just goes in a circle. Very simple. Play then continues clockwise, each player taking their turns and going through the three phases until someone has finally reached the victory marker and the game ends. Now, where do I start with this game. There is so much to do in this game, and there's so many different ways to get victory points and to win, and more importantly, to have fun adventures. And as with so many games, I want to do it all. I want to be lawful and save the other ships. I want to be an outlaw and murder everybody else. I want to be neutral and just fly in circles. I want to do it all, but I can't. It kills me every time I play. In many games, there are limitations to what a player can do. But in this game, it's really open to do whatever you want, to explore, to build. This game, the desire to be an explorer of space and the unknown becomes a possibility. And you can decide if you want to be the hero or the scoundrel. But I will say that whichever you choose, be careful with the non-playable characters, the enforcer and the other scoundrel, because they will hunt you down and murder you. It's happened to me before. You can't outrun them. Well, you can. It's just difficult. I, I died a lot. I know this game may sound or even look complicated when you first see it. I realize that I can't post, you know, huge pictures here. But if you go online and Google "Ziya Legend of a Drift System," the game can look complicated. But please, I assure you, once you really start playing it, it actually turns out to be very simple. And turns don't take as long as they appear if you are going at a decent clip. If you're sitting there, it could take a long time, but they should go pretty quickly. Unfortunately, I've only played this game a handful of times. But each time I have played, I have loved every minute of what was going on. Now, I should mention there are a few small expansions, One adds comets and relics to find, while the other adds new missions and powers for each ship. I have not played everything in the expansions, and because when I am playing I am often having to teach new players, I have not always added in everything. But what I have played, I have absolutely adored. You're in space. There's a tile with a black hole on it. You get close to it, that black hole starts dragging you in. Now, I would love to tell you that I was able to cruise around and swing past the black hole and I was fine. Yeah, no. No, I didn't. I got, well, I got destroyed by a black hole. That's that's the basic of it. And all the stuff that was on my ship, yeah, that got destroyed. I was allowed to respawn, but all my stuff was gone. It's never fun. That's not fun. Well, I think it's still fun. But I know some people don't like the idea of all your hard work being taken away. One thing that keeps bringing me actually back to this game is the sheer scope of adventure. I may never have the opportunity to actually fly in outer space. And on the board game, even though I'm only moving a couple little spaces on the board, I feel like I'm piloting through space, trying to get from planet to planet, weaving in and out of asteroids and meteors and debris and all these different things. I feel like I'm in space. I feel like I'm having that fun, feeling like I'm going on those adventures, and trying not to ruin my ship. I do want to mention that you can scan tiles before you kind of explore, and it might be a good idea, or you might end up like my younger brother, who didn't scan, blindly jumped into a new sector, and ran into the largest star. Saya. here's the thing, you fly into a star, you burn up and die. Auto-death. So, might want to consider that when playing this game. You can jump into stars, but it doesn't end well. Well, it ended well for me, because he was out for a round. The components for this game are absolutely breathtaking. There are custom made metal coins to be used as credits, and there are pre-painted miniatures for every single ship, 21 ships in the base game alone. And though I may have to eventually sleeve my cards to protect them, you can tell the company put a lot of love into creating this game and making something that would last. If you are like me and you love science fiction, you love Star Wars, you love Firefly, even though it only got one season in a movie, you love Farscape or Star Trek or Orville or anything like that, I cannot recommend this game enough. You should give this game a try. Yeah, it's long. Yeah, it's a bit complicated to start, but it is worth your time. The second game I'd like to talk about is Ink and Gold. This game is published by Eagle Griffin Games. It was designed by Bruno Faduti and Alan Moon. The art was done by Matthias Kratian. It was published in 2009. It can play three to eight players and it plays in about 30 minutes. It's a pretty short game. Quick how to play for this game. This game is played over five rounds, and at the start of each round, the players will take a deck of cards, add a golden artifact into it, shuffle it all together, and this represents (laughs) the ruins of an Incan temple that players will go into. Before players flip over a card, each player will decide if they want to continue in to the temple or take what gemstones they already have or points and run away with their tails between their legs come on push your luck it's fun after all the players have made their decision of whether they're staying or running away a new card is flipped over if the card shows gemstones the gems are divided evenly between all players still in the temple so if you ran away you get nothing any leftovers get left on the card on the table. If a hazard card is drawn and there are five, snakes, spiders, fire, rockslides, and zombies, and there are three of each of these, the players receive no rewards. If this is the second of a specific hazard, all players remaining in the temple are scared off and they lose all their points. Basically means the round ends. After you have flipped this card, before you flip the next one, players again decide whether they want to stay or run away. If a player returns to camp, they take any gemstones with them that they had gained up to that point. They keep them safe in their tents, and play continues. Once a player has left the temple, they are not allowed to return until the next round. Play continues in this way for five rounds. Each round, an artifact is added to the deck, and at the end of five rounds, the player with the most gems wins. Grab your fedoras. Grab your bullwhip's. And prepare to run like your life depends on it. Because this game makes you feel, if only slightly, like uh, Indiana Jones or, you know, an adventuring archaeologist. (laughs) The theme is honestly not that strong. But when your players really embrace the experience, (laughs) the joy to, to be had in this game is absolutely tremendous. I have played this game with friends, family co-workers, students, and every time it has gone well. This game is rarely ever played once because it is so short that you'll finish one game and people want to go again. They want to get back into it and see if they can push their luck a little bit farther this time, a little bit more. As well as they want to get back, it's Johnny over there for snagging all the gems and weaseling their way to victory. We can't let him just win. We need our Vengeance. And by vengeance, I mean I need to be lit on fire again and be chased out of this temple by a zombie and spiders and snakes. And I don't win this game. I'm not... I have no luck, remember? So this game is what's known as a pure push-your-luck game. Constantly taking risks to flip over one more card at the chance you might get gems... Or perhaps you'll find the long-lost artifact that allows you to finally defeat your devilish rival, Samantha. But you always have to keep in mind that all it takes is one wrong flip and you lose everything. But that sensational feeling of joy as you're the last person in the temple. You keep flipping gem card after gem card, sitting on 37 gems, and people are cheering for you, even though they're mad because you're close to winning. And you just keep telling yourself one more card. It's exhilarating, but also stress-inducing, because every sp- every card could spell your doom. Or in my case, it will spell your doom. Oh, it's so much fun. Just one more card. One more card. Even though, let's be honest, it's never just one more card. It's never one more card. I have mentioned this on previous episodes, but when it comes to playing board games, card games, Twister, whatever, I have the worst luck. I can have a 50-50 chance of winning and still lose 100% of the time. Don't I, that, It doesn't mathematically work. Trust me. Board game luck mocks me. This deck of Despair cards and eating Gold, i they're sitting there doing... Playground bully tons. I mean nah, 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 You can't get me and it, It's evil, it's mean I don't like it But I still play the game because it's super fun I cannot help myself When it comes to playing this game And I've ended so many sessions With a nice or strong score Of no gemstones whatsoever Because I refuse to leave the temple When I have points Just leave Zach. it's not that difficult The door's right there, just walk away And everything will be fine But no, I must keep going. There was an instance when I was playing this game with a group of my students. Round one and round two, I had nothing left. But round three shows up. I'm the last person in the game, or in the temple. I had found three relics. I had a nice pile of gems in front of me. My students are telling me I could just walk away, return to camp. I was sitting on a nice pile of points that I should just end it there. Move on to the next round. But I couldn't. I kept going. I kept flipping cards and staying in. Call it pride, call it stupidity, call it whatever you want. I was having so much fun as I turned over the second zombie and lost it all. I would love to say that I've learned from that experience, but no. If I was back in that situation, I would do the exact same thing. Flipping cards one after another, until I have this giant pile of points, and then make a stupid decision and keep going. And then lose. But hey, games are supposed to be fun. Ink and Gold is a game of fun, silly interactions between players, and it plays quick, but the stories go on forever. I'd have students that would come back uh, weeks later, months later, like, hey, Mr. Anderson, do you remember when you did this crazy move in this game and lost everything because of zombies? Yeah, I do. Thanks for reminding me. This is definitely an in-between game because it's so light and quick. But I highly recommend and suggest this as a as a quick one to pick up. Now, I know there's another game that is actually identical to this one. It's called Diamant. And they're the exact same game made by two different companies. Slight variations on the components, but they're the same thing. If you can find either, pick it up. If this sounds like something you might enjoy and want a good solid game, grab this and I can guarantee you will not be sorry unless, again, you're like me who doesn't know when to stop. Here we are, folks. Another end to another episode here at Your Turn. Two more games and one more mechanic for you to ponder as you go about your daily life trying to figure out what new game to pick up or try. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to like this episode and listen to others that I've posted, as well as check out pictures and updates I post over on my Instagram, at z.a.underscoreyourturn. Feel free to drop me a line or a comment and let me know what games you've been playing or are interested in hearing about. It has been a pleasure talking about these amazing games with you, and I will be back in a couple weeks with another episode. As always, I have been your host, Zach Anderson, and this has been your turn. And now, it is your turn to go out, play some games, be safe, and have some fun. Have a good one, everybody.